0: Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, it's the 28th of October, I'm Arthur Falls, and this is NOT investment advice. Following up on the arcane discussion with next asset developer JL777, also known as James, featured in episode 13, I spoke with a technical writer known as Cassius, producing white papers outlining his work. SuperNet is an umbrella project incorporating an array of technologies designed to perform independent functions but also interoperate in such a way as to allow the frictionless transfer of value to a recipient through multiple tokens. This allows the unique capabilities of each token to be taken advantage of as needed. The effect of a platform like this on the altcoin space would be hugely transformative, and Cassius was able to elucidate many of the moving parts which make up SuperNet, and offer an educated opinion on the space it's entering. The platform as a whole does remain largely obscured, but as things progress, more details are becoming clear.
1: So um, I've I've been with uh, Next I guess since about April. Uh, I'm a, a copywriter, of communicator by trade. So what I try and do is uh, take complex ideas, of which there are plenty in crypto, and communicate them simply. So that might be through uh, anything from articles uh, to white papers to, to film scripts. Uh, really, pretty much anything across the board. Um, so I got started with Next, and as you've no doubt found, one thing tends to lead to another. Uh, James uh, James obviously very active in Next has uh, put together some great projects, um, but he's also involved in Bitcoin Dark, um, which is a just a incredible uh, tech. that the, um, the The protocol behind that is is just remarkable. Um and of course this is where the Intersect is is Supernet which is built on uh on both. So um back in I think it was May, June, James asked me to do a, a press release, that was all, and um uh for, for one of his uh sort of developments and uh kinda of went from there really. Um uh he has uh high expectations of people I think, and um got me to write a dark paper about teleport which is um, Bitcoin Dark's anonymity protocol, which really stretched me far beyond what I thought was possible. Um, and uh, and really, I've uh, just kind of just kind of got, uh, you know, stuck into this stuff. It's fantastic. I love it. I love uh, um, getting my hands dirty, understanding this stuff and then trying to communicate it in a in a simple way.
0: The dark paper
1: was i
0: mean really interesting i didn't really get it to be honest uh just just because it's there's so much background and so much um you know it's that intensity of focus to to understand and grasp these ideas it's i mean it's it's impressive what's your back so do you have a uh do you have a background in computer science and crypto or anything like that
1: no i do not um i uh, without giving too much away I'm, i'm basically i have a phd but it's in an art subject um I'm good at assimilating information and creating a narrative, good at scrabbling around, finding the pieces, figuring out how they fit together. I was a, a therapist for several years as well uh, before taking a bit of a break. Uh, and it's all it's all the same. It's all about narrative. It's all about figuring out um, how things uh, fit together. So that's that's really how I how I come to this. Um, not so much of a tech background, which means there have been some steep learning curves here and there.
0: What do you think about this JL777 kind of personality cult? He's, he's really, he's a charismatic guy and he's built up this,
1: uh, this brand around himself. It's very, it's very interesting. Um, I, I think what you find in crypto is there are very few good leaders. Um, and I think this is what it comes down to. You, you know, it's decentralized from the start so from the get-go nobody's in charge that's the deal with decentralization right i mean um and so so actually you have uh you know you have a lead developer there is a degree of centralization there and i think actually you know this is why bitcoin dark has been so uh so strong and done and done so well and, and been able to come up with this tech is because there is this kind of figurehead there but actually um it's it's not it's not just um it's not just the tech it's not just that um you know that that sort of leader, that that focus. Um, he's actually acted with um, remarkable integrity on several occasions, and I think again in crypto, where everything is a pump and dump, everything is a scam. You know that that really talks actually, and um, and so you know you, you do have this kind of slightly sort of messianic cult going on, which well, fair enough. Um you know that's uh it's a, it's a bit of fun I think James takes it with a, a truckload of salt um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um you know it's a, it's all uh it all adds to the the mystique i guess.
0: It's pretty cool. He does have like the or this, the whole project does have uh real mystique, and for one guy he it's like he says the word and people invest. The
1: the rate of investment yep. in Supernet in was ridiculous. It was remarkable, but I think again it's because you know, what what have you got in crypto? Um there is no regulation, there's no track record, there's often um absolutely no comeback when things go wrong, which means the only thing the only thing that matters is reputation. You know, real life ID doesn't make a difference. We've been scammed by guys whose names we knew, whose, you know, we knew where they lived. This is over and over again. Nothing, uh, nothing comes of that. There isn't a legal framework around this. What talks is reputation and you build that by delivering. You know, that's to a, to a degree, that's how I've built my reputation in crypto on a far, uh, far lower scale. And um, James has delivered some really, you know, the multi-gateway, fantastic tech. Um, you know, he, he delivers and, and that's why he's got this reputation.
0: Part of the whole trajectory that, um, of social organization that this, uh, that this is taking us in is that focus on reputation as opposed to qualifications that, that, uh, that give people the, the act as credibility indicators, which it's fresh. It's nice.
1: I, I love it. This is one of the things I love about um, cryptocurrency. It doesn't matter whether you are. You know, 14 or 64, it doesn't matter whether you've been to a, a top university and have a PhD, uh, your CV doesn't matter, your experience doesn't matter. What matters is, can you deliver? That's all that matters. It is the purest meritocracy there is, and I I just love that. Have you read much Hayek? A uh, little bit, yeah. A little bit. Not much, but a little bit.
0: What do they call it? The primor- primordial soup of the altcoin world. It, uh, it fits in with that idea of his, um, you know, when you have government con- monopoly over currency, you not only do you not get a good currency, but you lose the market, the free market effect, which is our only way of discovering what a good currency is.
1: Yeah, you chuck a load of currencies out there, which is what's happened in the altcoin market. The, the losers get darwin out. And uh, hopefully in not, not too, I mean, we see this actually on a weekly basis. You get the pumps and the dumps and actually what's still around you know it's very very interesting that uh um, the 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 currencies that are doing well have, have established themselves over the the long term you know you look at the uh the top the top 10 the top 20 there are, there are a few newcomers but actually it's interesting that next has been around you know basically for nearly a year now and, and almost all that time it's been in the top 10 if not all that time um, bitcoin dark too it uh, it rose very rapidly it's taken a bit of a hit recently with the the sort of uh, bitcoin um, sell off that kind of brutal, you know, giving us all a bit of a kicking. And um, but actually, it's still it's still up there. It hasn't kind of disappeared. I mean, a lot of these coins do just fall into nothingness. Um, and so I think it's the you know the ones that have been that sort of time tested.
0: The idea of Souvenir, as I understand it, is to take the unique features of all of these coins and combine them into a, a network. So that value can be exchanged between those blockchains and those unique benefits can be utilized by every member of the supernet.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So you you have a, a wallet, it offers you a, a bunch of coins and services, um, you know, revenue generating assets. And um, you know, suppose you want to make a transaction. You've got you've got next. You've got Bitcoin. You you want to uh, anonymize it, where you you send it through Bullberry or you send it through Bitcoin Dark. Um, you know, you want to uh, you want to do something that's distinctive to a currency. Um, you can use that currency for that transaction, and the exchange is dealt with um, instantly and, and automatically for you. So essentially, what you're doing is um, it enables you to share. Coins features, um, which I, th- I think is, is great You know, it's it's synergy. You know, you can either create one coin with every feature, um, which you know isn't isn't going to happen. It would just be a, a mess. It would be a horrible chimera of awfulness to get off the ground. Or you could take this approach where you say, yes, that coin has exceptional tech. It does it does one thing really very well, or a couple of things really very well. So we will um, integrate it with Supernet. And that means that whenever somebody wants to use that feature, they can uh, they can route their transaction or they can make use of of that coins feature.
0: So, SuperNet really is a way of bringing all of these uh, bringing all these features together. It's it's like it's a because you see these this trend toward simplicity. Having these a ton of different currencies, it's there's a lot of friction.
1: I'm going to say this. It, you know, it, it, you're right. The word is friction, and it, it shouldn't be. This is crypto, where we're in this because you shouldn't have this, these kinds of impediments to business. um And so, yes, if you can deal with that stuff in the background, automatically, smoothly. You know, ideally, you shouldn't even see this stuff happening. And um, it's just, it just happens. And um, that's extremely powerful.
0: So I guess we might as well go into like how SuperNet works. Uh Again, like I said, I'm for me, it's. A little bit alien. I've tried to understand, and I, you know, I get, I have a, I have a, an overview of it, but I definitely don't get the magic. You know, I don't, I don't understand how these, how these interchain transactions work, and, uh, you know, and where does the liquidity come from for
1: these exchanges between tokens? Okay, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure whether you're asking me a, a tech question or not, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not up to speed on all of the, uh, the tech. Um, but essentially, you know, you'll have this uh, service called Instant Dex, which will carry out instant transactions. Um, I, I think by the multi-gateway, or possibly, um, possibly on a, a different platform. That's something I'm not 100% sure about. I believe the multi-gateway will be involved in that. Um, so you'll you'll have um, all kinds of you know trade bots will uh, will carry this out. So essentially, you're looking at basically near real-time transactions between coins could. Kind of, carried out um, automatically. Um, So I think, you know, the the liquidity will will simply come from people using it and those transactions going on all the time. Um, That may, I guess, be uh, market maker bots as well. Um, You know, the multi-gateway is still in its relative infancy, so um, sort of on the face of it, the liquidity isn't, um, depending on your coin pairing, it's not always great, Um, but simply by using it, you will create that liquidity. Um, and uh, and also if you you know if you have these uh, trade trade bots serving that that specific purpose, um, so much the better.
0: And I suppose if a coin has utility, that you t- under the uh, supernet system, that liquidity will just come because people will be using it for uh, will be buying in and out of it or moving their funds in and out of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you, you've got to remember also that it's not just people making transactions from one coin to another. You've got all these other related services, and um, that will involve people making transactions as well. So there's just going to be money flying around this system all over the place. Um, you know, it's all going to be about the, the the money moving.
0: When uh, so, say I want to make a transaction. I've got say next, and I want to move, and I want to make a tra- an anonymous transaction so what yeah. would the process be i presume in the wallet it would just would i be transacting just next but uh, you know there would be an option to move it through say bullberry or something
1: um i haven't haven't seen enough of the wallet to know how this will work sort of from the uh, the the gui the you know graphical user interface point of view um but as i understand it, essentially you will send next to next via say bitcoin dark so that transaction will go through Bitcoin Dark or Bullberry or whatever you want it to, um, sort of in the background automatically. Um, So you will, you know, essentially you will convert your next to Bitcoin Dark. You will make your Bitcoin Dark transaction and then you will um, turn it back into next again. So there's several steps there. But of course, you, you don't need to see most of this stuff. Um, I mean, this is one of the one of the problems you have that, that friction you mentioned. It's you know you've got to buy the Bitcoin, you've got to buy one coin, you've got to sell it for Bitcoin, you've got to, you know it's just ridiculous. Um, so all of this stuff is gonna um, is gonna be carried out automatically via um, trade bots and uh, and this instant um, trading service.
0: So that's like automating the the process that you would normally go through to get mm. you know to anonymize a transaction. Or to use, say, say you're going to use, yeah, Bitcoin Dark for, for a transaction on a, on a marketplace. Um.
1: So I'm just going to, just going to break in there because obviously, I mean, one of the, one of the things about Bitcoin Dark is just this remark, I mean, it is really remarkable anonymity tech. And I think one of the things is that people immediately gravitate towards, well, it's anonymous, therefore you must be doing something illegal with it. Um, actually, the, I mean, inevitably, (laughs) yes. Um, that, that will happen but I mean the um, the applications for this are, are just enormous I mean you you think of the uh, amount of industrial espionage that goes on and the ways that you know if you follow the money you know everything you can see uh, you know if you're a if you're a company working at the, the cutting edge a tech company and a competitor comes along and finds out where the money's going they know who's working for you They know who you're consulting with. They know who your suppliers are. They know everything, and that could well be enough to compromise somebody, cause you real, real problems. Um, And you know, this, this, this is a way around that. This is, this is dark. Um, Well, you know, what if you're uh, in a in an oppressive regime where you're you're not allowed to uh, take currency out of the country? you know, I think you're absolutely right. say so inevitably, some of these transactions will be for various interesting and illegal purchases. Um, but actually, I, I think that if this really does kind of come of age as as crypto ought to, then the the real applications um, in business uh, will be orders of magnitude larger than any you know drug trade or, or whatever it is. Just just as in fact, uh, um, you know, the amount of cash spent on um, you know, physical paper money spent on on drugs is just a, a fraction of uh, what goes around the uh, the kind of business world.
0: Yeah, the legitimate applications for this kind of thing they haven't really appeared yet, and it's easy to be kind of frustrated. But then, when I look at the fact that what's how long has this really been in the public view? Not even a year, and mm. uh, you know, it's it's. It's, you know, it's, you're in way too much of a hurry if you expect this to uh, to take mm-hmm. off just like that, you know.
1: Well, I think a, an interesting analogue is Tor. Um, because, yes, we know some fairly unpleasant stuff goes on over Tor. Um, we also know that journalists um, in, you know, oppressive regimes are using it to communicate it. But, you know, the CIA, I, I think, um, was it the NSA, I, I don't know, some three-letter agency, um, was... Uh, was behind it you know this does have real world very legitimate um, applications and I, I don't know what the proportions are at parliest you know again this is uh sort of libertarians or people concerned about the um, the way that government surveillance is going um, and actually just thinking well you know i have a right to to privacy um so i i think there is a you know there's a a far larger proportion of people who would use this technology for what we'll call legitimate purposes. Um uh just you know just for the sake of a shorthand, I don't know what the the right word is, than the people who are, you know, taking out contracts on each other or um I, I think I think increasingly also as as we inevitably, I'm afraid, um, see another wave of the financial crisis, you're gonna start getting um the governments taking money out of it. It's already happened. We know this has already happened. Uh, these bail-ins, uh, haircuts, whatever you want to call them, basically governments taking money out of people's accounts unilaterally, um, and that to me is a, a monstrous injustice. And you just think, wow, really, you're going to let that happen? Well, here is another way around it. So, in these transactions,
0: I, yeah. a trade bot if it, it takes the um, automates the the procedure that you would normally go through. I think that's one of the one of the ways it will happen. Yeah, there are there, are, yeah. Uh and it moves through, say, the multi gateway or the instant decks. Now the instant DEX is another piece of the another piece
1: of the Supernet puzzle that Um me me neither again, this is tech, I, I believe the tech is sort of getting there but unfinished. Um I'm not entirely sure myself. I think you, you sort of in my mind there are three pieces to this. There's the multi gateway, which is the decentralized exchange, so just think any regular exchange but um decentralized so it can't disappear with your coins or, you know, um, it's not uh, susceptible to intervention. You've got Instant decks, which is um, sort of carrying out those instant transactions on the multi-gateway. And then there's another layer down, which is Atomic, um, which is sort of the, the lowest level of um, recording the cross-blockchain transactions, and please don't ask me too much about atomic because I don't know enough about it to uh, speak to any authority. But as I understand it, there are these three sort of separate um, layers to uh, to the puzzle.
0: And how do, how exactly do they interact?
1: Um, I believe that Instant DEX will use atomic. Um, so I think atomic is, uh, in as much as I know anything about it, it's it's the sort of ticker that will record. Um, the cross blockchain transactions, um, InstantX will do the work on the multi-gateway. That's, that's, as I understand it, that's what, um, that's what will, broadly what will, what will happen. Um, I can't really go into a great deal of detail because I, I don't know enough about each of the different parts of it.
0: But that's the difficult thing. There's this real lack of information and documentation, um, on the supernet. And I think largely because there are so many moving parts. It's uh, it does it concerns me that it's a bit complex, but I suppose really it's it's modular, and to see it as a complex system is is maybe to uh, to miss interactions are, are compartmentalized, or you know the the different functions of it are compartmentalized. They're not um, they're not built into one big uh, one big wallet or something.
1: I think I think you're right. It's not like a, a kind of um... Uh, you know, upside down pyramid. Whereas if you if you take out the bottom, everything goes crumbling. I think there are there are many many pieces to it, um, and you know if, if one piece doesn't doesn't work out, if a a, a company um, crashes or a uh, you know a service doesn't really work out, that's not actually so so big a deal. Um, I think actually you know a lot of James' ideas are really very simple, um, which is not a thing to say, but they are. Um, it's just that you tend to have to plow through quite a lot of complexity to realise that. Um, so you know, same with teleport, uh, same with telepathy, um, the two sort of pieces to um, to Bitcoin Dark that, that sort of underpin Supernet. Supernet's actually very simple. It's it's that um, collaborating is far better than competing. You know, you bring together all of these different services that up until now have been working in their niches in isolation. Um, or competing with each other, you bring them all together, and suddenly you have one giant marketplace with money kind of flying around the different stalls, and everybody um, feeding off each other's opportunities, rather than kind of being at each, each other's throats all the time.
0: So the next two, uh, the next two things I want to, I want to uh, get clear on mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the mutual fund nature of the Supernet Unity token and uh and what that is how it gets its uh how it gets its value and then also teleport and telepathy those are the, those
1: are the other things that um, the, the mutual fund bits it's it's pretty simple so a bunch of money got uh got given for uh tokens unity tokens in uh, in the ICO and that money does not go to James as a developer that underpins the value of Supernet so uh, I think it was something like 5,700 bitcoins worth um, was paid for tokens, and that means you have 5,700 bitcoins uh, in in the coffers, if you like. Uh, which means that currently Supernet is worth 5,700 bitcoins. So that that money stays there. That's in a pot. You know, it's in it's in different currencies. Obviously, it's in Bitcoin Dark. It's in Next. It's in it's in Bitcoin and um, but what it, what it means is that, that that money is there to give a floor value. So whatever you think the value of the tech is and whatever is built on top of it with all the different services, um, that money is there to give it a floor, um, which means the price can't really crash below that, the, the net asset value, the NAV, um, because if it did, people would be selling for less than it was actually worth. I mean, that, that is tangibly there. Which is an odd term to use for crypto, um, but that you know that money is is in the is in the uh, the supernet account if you like, Um so that's that's the strength of it is um, is that actually it provides this kind of floor value.
0: And is that is moving that money around is that is that part of the does that provide some of the liquidity of um,
1: for these interchain transactions? I, I think those transactions will just be carried out on the fly. But when you when you think that you know this this could have in the early days hundreds very quickly hopefully thousands of users and and you know before too long maybe many many more. And um, these people there will just be demand for different currencies. You know the liquidity will simply come from the user base. You have people you know buying stuff on free market, playing dice games. They're um, you know. Paying for advertising, they're um, getting revenue from various different assets. They're exchanging currency and and getting uh, you know the the assets are uh, uh, um, bringing in revenue in different kinds. You know you've got all these automatic transactions happening in the background. You've got um, probably trading going on. You've probably got some arbitrage as well. Um, you know I, I'm not at all worried about liquidity because I just think that comes with the user base. I mean that's simply a, a function of the number of people who are. Uh, are using the services, the many many services um, that will be a part of a supernet group.
0: But I, yeah, I'm still a bit confused as to what the why it was necessary to buy. I, I remember James talking about buying 10% of the money supply of various tokens, and yeah. I, I'm not really sure what the function of that
1: of that was um i i think james is is obviously very very good at the um the, the tech but actually from an economic point of view i think there are, there are a number of things there. one is um is to uh to take a stake in the coin so um emotionally as well as financially you are you are literally investing in it and um, so you're not likely to dump that coin because you hold it so you know, one of the unpleasant things in, in my mind about crypto is is this sort of day trader mentality where um, people are looking to cream off money, kill the coin often, you know, short it and destroy it and take the value out of it. Um, and, you know, yes, trading does does obviously play a role in bringing liquidity, but actually there, there's quite a um, a brutal aspect to it where people will regardless of the tech, will look to kill a coin if they can make money out of it. Well, this is a way of saying, you know what, I'm invested in this coin. I respect it. I like what you're doing. And I'm going to take a stake in it to prove that and to align our interests. So essentially what we're talking about here is aligned interests, because if you have a stake in Bitcoin Dark, if you have a stake in Next, if you're building services on top of them, um, you're, you know, you're, you obviously you've got a long term interest in their success.
0: What happens if because you yeah, we have this a lot of these coins are uh, are proof of work based. So what happens if there's a, a serious attack on or you know, a serious sustained attack on one of the coins? What happens if there's a hard fork? How how will that affect the under-the-hood operations of SuperNet?
1: That is a very interesting question, and I, I don't know. I mean, Next and Bitcoin Dark are obviously both proof-of-stake, so you wouldn't have that kind of attack. I suppose it's not inconceivable that you would get another another kind. I, I don't know, but from what we've seen in the past, I suspect that James and others in SuperNet, um, who are in a position of influence, would work very, very hard to resolve that issue with the community. Um, which I think is again another um, another good reason to take that stake in a coin. It says I'm putting my money where my mouth is. If something happens to this coin, if there is a, a hack, for example, like the uh, uh, the big hack there was um, from BTR uh, a few weeks back when 50 million Next got uh, got taken out of their hot wallets. Um, you know, if you're invested in Next, you want a resolution to that. If you're not invested in Next, well, you shake the dust off your feet, you shrug, and you go on your way, and, well, that was a nice coin, but, uh, yeah, it's not for me anymore. You're putting your money where your mouth is, and you will, you know, you will move heaven and earth to fix
0: it. Just trying to find a resolution of the to the fragmented nature of free market anarchy, that's that's what it is, and, and trying to get anarchists to work together is not… Uh...
1: <laughs> exactly what it is. So how do you do it? How do you align the interests of anarchists? Uh, and I think in this instance, you appeal to their wallets. Uh, you say, look, a proportion of Supernet funding is going to go towards the coin communities. A proportion is going to go towards developing, paying developers to create new tech, strengthen existing tech for those communities. So you're not saying I'm taking 10 percent of this coin and, you know, hard luck. You're saying I'm taking 10 percent. I'm buying 10 percent. And I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to raise value for all of you guys. Um, the fact that this coin is a part of SuperNet works for you. It will raise value of your stake. And not only that, but we're going to pay to enable you to strengthen your coin for yourselves and build new applications, uh, new tech on top of it. And, you know, who loses there? It's, it's win-win-win. Everyone does well. SuperNet does well. The developers do well. The community does well. Um, this is this is one of the things that James is very very good at. Is uh, it's not just the tech; it's using the money as a kind of uh, relational glue, if you like, you're aligning interests. Supernet is all about assets, coins, investing in each other, and creating mutually beneficial incentives. There isn't there isn't you know the the, the altcoin world is or well, the whole crypto world is doggy dog and here you are saying you know what if you're going to help me I'm going to help you and all of all of this network of coins and services is going to benefit we don't take value out of your coin out of your assets without giving something back if i benefit you benefit too everyone everyone does well out of this that's that's the whole point
0: as yeah cuz there's you can get that slight uh when you haven't liked a developer or you haven't um, or you've had a bad experience in a community and then you see uh you see a coin take a hammering and it's mm. there's a, there's that kind of that Yeah, Sean, <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, but it's not it's not cool. <laughs> it's not productive.
1: It's not. And the thing is, crypto is small. It is a tiny fraction of a tiny fraction of one percent of the global economy. And there is massive room to grow. So why do we act like this? Uh, and Supernet is saying, well, actually, you know, th- there is huge opportunity here. Let's just do things differently, for goodness sake. You know, we can all we can all win. We don't have to be tearing each other apart here. There's some fantastic tech. There are some great people, great communities. Um, we can leverage that, and and we can all benefit from this if we just lose this ridiculous zero sum mentality that people seem to have. Doesn't doesn't need to apply in crypto at this point.
0: It comes back to this, like like the word messianic that you used before to describe yeah. the, uh, the 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 JL seven 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 brand. And that, that's what it is. You get these people who just think this is how it's going to be. Uh, you know, there's going to be one coin. A lot of people just assume that there's mm. going to be one coin. That's a hard, hard thing to to shake clear. But at the, at the same time, it is clear that we are going to have multiple currencies. There's just there's enough diversity of belief.
1: You're, you're back to Hayek again. It's horses for courses. You get a coin that does one thing particularly well. Well, it's going to do it. You know, if it does another thing, you, you're going to get another coin doing it. People are going to use the right tool for the job and if a tool doesn't exist somebody's going to create one um so yes i think you you're going to get different currencies that do things very well and they're going to find their niches so what do you how do you how do you link them up how do you join between them how do you reduce the friction well this is this is one of the ways two coins
0: that i've been looking at quite a lot recently are um kryptonite and nubits and it's interesting because kryptonite is just made by a guy pretty amazing like just subdued, you know, he doesn't have a crypto background. He's gone to Bitcoin early and saw a problem, which was mining centralization. And he fixed yeah. it by produced, by coming up with an idea for a, for, you know, he calls it the mini blockchain scheme for a really ultra light blockchain that, and uh hired a developer to produce it. And he built the thing and it's, you know, it's great. And it doesn't, it's quite understated. There's nothing on the surface, but mm. uh he's fixed a major problem that a lot of people ignore. I mean, Proof of stake, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I like proof of stake, but it doesn't have the handicap that uh, that proof of work offers, and it doesn't have any means of diluting the early, you know, the early adopter, you know, who uh, who buys in. There's no way they, they wind up with a disproportionate control of the system, in my in my view. But Nubits has this great scheme where they automatically dilute two percent every year, so it's proof of stake, but the diluting. every year which is that's the one thing that's been missing from all these currencies is that annual dilution you know people have this they don't like their inflation but at the same time you don't want the early adopters to get in and have everything you know so and especially in proof of stake where they have that control of the network it's it's a little bit concerning but anyway the, the reason I mention all that is it's just cool that you have people fixing problems on their own Platforms and these closed environments, but then they wind up isolated. They're not. There's no. You know, they're not part of the. Uh, the they're not part of the whole. So to bring them together is, is quite magical.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's a big deal. And just. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about Newbits uh, or Kryptonite myself, actually. But I just love the idea that you have this guy who isn't a dev. You know, he doesn't know the tech stuff. He identifies a problem, he figures out a way to fix it, and he pays somebody to do it. And nobody cares about his CV. <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> it's just brilliant why why is the real world not like this how did you get yeah. into it
0: all well, by the way how did you get into
1: uh, I, had, I had a bitcoin uh I, I don't know i guess two or three years ago i didn't i didn't get into it until the beginning of this year and uh i thought um you know back in early january literally a couple of days into the new year i i happened to stumble across it again obviously it had been in the news a lot with the uh um, the the bubble and and looming crash, and I thought well it's actually it's time I looked into this properly, and I was just hooked once i once I really understood what was going on, I was hooked because the technology to me was just I, I love that here is something you can't do, and they've gone and done it it's brilliant um you know the the byzantine generals problem is you know satoshi Nakamoto's um uh, approach to um double spend problem it i mean it's just so so brilliant. Um, I was I was just hooked and I love I love the um, the possibilities it offers because let's face it the bank should not be charging people two, three, sometimes ten percent in some countries, um, of the amount to send money abroad. It shouldn't take three working days to make a transaction or sharpen your accounts. Um, you know, this this stuff should, should just happen. Um, and with crypto it can. I think behind it, behind the complexity is again this this kind of simplicity. Um, again, I, I mean, I don't understand all the nuances of it my, myself, but this idea that, you know, in order, um, in order to make sure people are acting the right way, you you don't keep secrets, you make sure everyone has it. You don't keep a ledger hidden away, and a centralised organisation um, kind of pulling the strings. You give it to everybody. Um, you know, it's just it's just brilliant.
0: So, um, coming off that tangent, teleport and telepathy.
1: Um I, I've, I've done some work on both, well, the dark paper and I'm currently, um, putting some thoughts together for the, uh, the telepathy white paper. So these are both things really, really, uh, you gave me a hard time with these because, because uh, they weren't, they weren't easy to get my head around. But it's one of those things that once you get it, it clicks and you think, how did I not understand that from the start? Because actually they're both beautifully, uh, simple. In their essence, um, just to distinguish them, teleport is about making transactions; it's about sending money. Telepathy is about communication um, across the the network, uh, and of course, really a, a transaction, a financial transaction in cryptocurrency, is is simply a particular kind of message. Um, so uh, you know they they are related, but um, but distinct in in that sort of way.
0: Okay, so how exactly? I know uh, so teleports the the anonymization tool of um, of bitcoin yeah. dark could you give you know a general rundown on how it works and what makes it unique from say zero coin and uh, other implementations of uh, of anonymity features
1: i don't know a lot about zero coin i know a little bit about um sort of some of the basically there's, there's there's a limited number of ways you anonymize transactions you can use things like ring signatures like monero um, like bullberry which just means um, a number of people could have signed this transaction, so how do you know which one it was? Or you can use mixers like uh, Darkcoin, um, which just you know throw in a load of money from different people, mix it around, and churn it back out again. So how do you know who you know what belongs to who? Um, teleport is a is a kind of qualitatively different approach. It says, look, there are a number of ways in which you can compromise anonymity, and this simply mitigates against all of them. So um, you, you take a look at all the different ways um, you, you might track a transaction and you make sure that none of them happen. Um, so you um, you make sure you use a throwaway address every time, you know, one address every transaction. You never use that address again. Uh, actually, Satoshi Nakamoto in his in his Bitcoin paper said, look, this is a this is what you're going to need to do if you want to stay well, pseudonymous at least. Um, and of course, nobody does. Hardly anybody does. So you enforce that behavior. You use standard denominations so that you can't uh, find a, an odd amount on the blockchain um, and match it. You know, you only send one, five, ten, fifty, a hundred denominations. Um, timing analysis. If you know when a transaction was made or you can find that information out from outside the blockchain in some way, and there are many ways you can do that. You can find the time on the blockchain, and well, now you know who who carried out that transaction. So you introduce random delays. Um, but really, the the piesta resistance of all of this is um, telepathy. It's the system of communicating uh, between people. Because what it means is that you can you can pass people not a transaction. You don't make a transaction you pass people all the information needed for them to make the transaction so essentially the material the the, uh, the code the uh, the um the instruction that you send to the network to make a transaction you don't submit it to the network you package it up and send it to somebody else over an incredibly secure link and they can make that whenever they want so they get to decide when the transaction goes through so once you um once you've taken out all the typical ways that, um, that anonymity gets compromised, um, really what's what's left? You don't need to use ring signatures um, to obscure things because actually you have all these standard denomination telepods, they're called, which is just a, uh, a cool word for throwaway addresses. You know, you have all these one-time addresses with fixed amounts of money flying around. Well, how on earth are you supposed to correlate anything with anyone um, it's it's kind of beautifully simple. You just figure out what are the things that people are doing to figure out how uh, where the money comes from, and you stop doing them. It's best practice. So it, it's kind of instead of being kind of university smart, it's street smart. That's how I put it. You're just figuring out the, the ways that people are gonna um, gonna stop a transaction being anonymous, and you're not doing them anymore. Um, but telepathy is really the um, the, the, the kind of crowning jewel because it's the it's the network that allows you to communicate and this this is brilliant communicate so securely that the sender and the recipient don't need to know each other's IP addresses um, so it is a little bit like sending somebody a letter and you don't know where they live it's that secure so if you don't know that how on earth is an attacker going to find it out so um, in a normal P2P network, uh, such as um one used by say BitTorrent, all that happens is you throw a packet out there and each node, each user, passes it along to a node closer to the destination. So they all know what the destination is, and they just, oh yes, I know a node that's closer than I am, so I give it to him, and he passes it on to somebody closer to him, and eventually it gets to where it's going in a in a few kind of hops. Um, But actually, you don't need to send it to anybody. All you need to do is make sure that the right person is handling it. And if it's encrypted, then they are the only person who can read it. So as long as you send it near to them such that they are handling it and so are a bunch of other people. You know, let's say you pass it down the line and when it gets near the end, 20 different nodes are handling it well, how on earth are you supposed to know which one is the real recipient? And actually, as it happens, none of them are the real recipient. It's going to a, a kind of dead drop address. But what essentially these nodes are doing is it's sort of looking over the postman's shoulder, if you like. So it's like the postman going to an address that doesn't exist. And uh, as he's kind of standing in the street, wondering what to do with this postcard, you've got a bunch of people looking over his shoulder. And the one who can read the postcard, obviously... You know, gets the information they're looking for.
0: That's a great analogy. That's the, my only question though, or, you know, my own, you know, I'm slightly skeptical that that might be a really inefficient way of going about, uh, you know, transmitting information.
1: How, how do you mean? What, where's the, where's the efficiency problem?
0: Well, if you're passing it through a bunch of nodes, you know, wouldn't it be better if you could just directly send it to a, uh, to a recipient? You know what I mean?
1: I see where you're coming from. I guess um I guess two things. If you are sending it to somebody, there is absolutely no way you can do that without knowing their IP address. And if you know their IP address, an attacker can know their IP address. If the network is being monitored in any way, um you know they're they're compromised. So this is a way of doing it without knowing the address that the letter is going to. The other thing is actually there's not a lot of inefficiency there. It's going through its its standard. If it's let's say there are ten uh ten nodes it passes through, which is reasonable for a large network, um, it gets to the end and then there's another twenty nodes that happen to see it. Um, there's not really a lot of inefficiency. When you think that the early networks, some of the early um, P2P networks were broadcasting to the entire network. So, you know, that's a form of anonymity because nobody's getting information that nobody else is getting. Um, so you can't tell who the packet's meant for because everyone is getting it. Well, if you're broadcasting to an even a tiny network of a hundred nodes, that's very inefficient. Um, if you're if you're broadcasting to a network of ten thousand, well, this was the problem: these networks didn't scale. So this actually is 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 very efficient. Um, it's just that it's creating enough doubt over who the recipient could be.
0: The distributed network solution seems to involve a certain degree of an elegant redundancy, I guess, is uh you know, is is kind of what what I how I kind of feel about it. But I, I suppose that's just the nature of um I suppose that's just the nature of the enterprise.
1: I was just gonna say I think I'd have to disagree in this case. I think it's actually an extremely elegant solution because you're you're simply sending something um and actually the, the network itself, the protocol is extremely efficient. Uh, it's the same as the essentially Bit- the same as the BitTorrent protocol. It's it's beautifully efficient. Uh, the metric it uses, um, and uh, you simply have this um, this sort of circle of doubt at the end. Um, so I, I guess I see where you're coming from, but I think uh, I think actually it's a, it, it's it's kind of beautifully elegant in the sense that you're sending this node, uh, this parcel along the nodes, and it, it kind of passes the person it's meant for, and they get to see it as it goes through. Um, and then it just disappears into a dead drop address. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I kind of see your point, but I, I, I think it's actually a, a very neat solution. I, I don't know whether anybody else, there's any other solution out there that allows you to communicate with that kind of privacy without even knowing the IP address of the person you're communicating with. Anyways.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's easy to have, you know, opinions and especially in my position, I get a lot of people, um, I get a lot of really brilliant people with these. Really solid opinions and, uh, and good ideas. And you can't, you can't argue with them. <laughs> you know, these guys are really brilliant. But at the same time, yeah, it's hard to, uh, they, they all disagree with each other, <laughs> you know, just relentlessly. And they all have excellent points. And it's hard to mediate, um, mediate the ideas.
1: I think so. The, the other problem is simply that you, crypto <laughs> is incredibly tribal. Let's face it. And often it's not about the tech at all. It's about ideology it's you know proof of work versus proof of stake and let's face it nobody knows really is there a serious flaw in proof of stake i haven't you know assuming if there is somebody would have exploited it well you know you'd think um you'd think people put their money where the mouth was and, and break it proof of work well we kind of know that there's a, a problem there because we came very close to that centralization so i don't uh, i don't know quite where that's going to end up um but it's it's a uh, it's it's ideological people pick a side and they stick with it in the way that they pick a coin and they stick with it, um, and you know maybe they go down with the ship. Um, but uh, I think this is one of the one of the problems. You've got so much great tech out there. Come on, let's let's road test it, Um, because we know that the market tends to uh, tends to fix this kind of stuff. It's a it's a Darwinian place is crypto land. Um, so I'm I'm pretty sure if proof of stake is fundamentally broken, we'll find out sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see where you're, you're, you're coming from, but I think actually what it comes down to um, is it's confirmation bias. People make up their mind first, and then they look for evidence to back up what they already believe. It's very hard to be open-minded. Um, so yeah, there's there's some fantastic tech out there, and I, I, think, I think probably there's a lot more we can learn from each other and share and kind of um, evolve, take the best from everyone. Um, and kind of cut off an avenue of research uh, and understanding just, just on ideological grounds. That's the next step. It, it really is. is.
0: Are there any links or, uh, or contact information? Where can people learn about the Supernet and uh, and the bits and pieces that make it up?
1: Uh, there's the Supernet Forum, which I think is forum.supernet.org or something. Um, it's pretty easy to find anyway. And there's the Supernet website, supernet, uh, supernet.org. Um, which has got a bunch of links to forums and stuff on as well.
0: Cool. And, um, do you do any work other than just on, uh, you know, do, uh, do you freelance presumably? Um, can yeah, people get in they, touch with you if, uh, if they want, uh, any services or do you provide services to the general public?
1: Yeah. So my, um, my forum handle is, is Cassius, which I think I'd prefer you use, uh, on the podcast rather than anything else. Um, um, i'm not as careful as james about my real world identity but i think it it's you know there are complications that could exist there uh, So um, cassius please um people can contact me through uh next or uh bitcoin forums cool well it's been great talking to you cassius <laughs> yeah yeah thanks uh, what's your uh, your forum handle
0: uh i'm legendface66 oh uh, yeah yeah yeah
1: good talking to you thanks
0: Thanks for listening. Pertinent websites and contact info can be found in the notes. I've been remastering my way through earlier episodes of Beyond Bitcoin. I'm about halfway through at this stage and the rest will be completed soon. So if there's an interview that you felt was worth a re-listen, it's probably more clear and easier on the ear. I'll be beginning sponsorship of Beyond Bitcoin soon, so check out the auctions for the sponsorship token. Today's magic word is SuperNet. One word, SuperNet. You can reach me at beyondbitcoinshow at gmail.com.